Hello, fellow writers! You have found Catherine's Corner of the Scripturian Society, where we discuss specific books from the writer's perspective. Here with me, Carissa, aka Lewis, aka Catherine, we discuss the writer's side of reading to analyze some of those specifics that makes a book work or not work on a literary level. It's been a few years since I read the book in the title, so there's only going to be light spoilers. If you hate spoilers at all and haven't read the book, head out and come back once that has changed. But otherwise, welcome to both readers and writers alike. Today we're going to be talking about the classic Ink Heart by Cornelia Funk. F- funk? Funke? Funk? I always say it funk, so that's what we're going to go with. F-U-N-K-E. Um, Ink Heart by Cornelia Funk is an older book from around 2003 uh, that I would classify now as middle grade fantasy, but I don't think that category existed at the time, so it's basically just a children's fantasy novel. And this story was essentially the quintessential book lover's paradise because the premise of this story is that Maggie, who lives a sort of eccentric life with her bookbinder father, discovers that this father has the ability to, when he reads aloud, make things from books come to life. Characters and objects and everything in between, he reads things out of books. But there's usually a reciprocal consequence. He also reads things from the real world into books in an exchange, which is what happened to Maggie's mother, who disappeared years ago and has been gone most of Maggie's life now. While reading his favorite adventure book called Inkheart to Maggie one night when she was little, he accidentally read her mother into the book and the villains of the story into the real world. Those villains, who have magic from their world on their side and all variety of interesting personalities and cool fantasy names, are now trying to destroy every copy of their own original book in order to prevent ever being read back in. And this leads them to kidnap Maggie's father, Mo, so that he can, unlike this other kind of person with a similar ability that isn't doing so hot, so that he can drag things out of their own story and some other stories before they finally destroy that last copy of Inkheart. Mo has since stopped reading aloud, terrified about reading Maggie into a book like her mother and losing her, but the idea of Inkheart being destroyed, and therefore her mother being destroyed too, is unthinkable. So Maggie goes on this big adventure learning about the story of Inkheart with her super quirky, book-loving, cold exterior but heart of gold Aunt Eleanor to rescue Mo, maybe her mother too, and send the villains of Inkheart back into the book. It is such a classic for so many reasons, and it brings up a few good writery topics of conversation. First, let's talk about the concept of stories existing within stories. So, Inkheart is both the title of the book by Cornelia Funk and the novel within the book that Mo read to life. Hopefully that won't get confusing, but it probably will, (laughs) so heads up. So Inkheart and its story within the story is unique because it's not technically a frame story, or at least not a classic version. We learn details of the internal story of Inkheart only as the characters and objects from it are pertinent to our actual main story, not as something they're telling or reliving, but rather just information to give us context. This isn't The Princess Bride or A Thousand and One Nights, where the internal story is the point and the thrill and the adventure, and the frame story is just the vehicle we used to experience it. 
The focus in Inkheart is actually on the frame story itself, rather than the one within it, with Meggie being our main character and the internal story of Inkheart only being important due to its impact on Meggie's world. Not an impact of theme or popularity, but actual direct effect as the characters come to life. I'm not really even sure I would call this a frame story because we don't get excerpts from the original Inkheart. We don't go back and forth between characters in the frame story versus the internal story. We stick to one story and then we have this extra fictional world that is influencing that main story. Characters who've been read to life will sometimes tell stories about what they experienced as their lives in that book, but only the way normal characters would provide backstory in any novel. The villain motives and hero motives and henchman motives are all products of who they were in their original book, but now transplanted to a new world. And some of them miss home or want to go home, but none of them go off on storytelling tangents that are directly about the events of the other book. Inkheart within the story doesn't really exist in its own right. It exists mainly to provide for the main plot of our real story. This is a really unique way to do a book within a book. First of all, the characters from this original Inkheart aren't the only ones being read out of novels. The villains from Inkart are having Mo read them various treasure and other objects out of other stories, stories that aren't their own, which accidentally brings characters from those books out too, which means that Funk's novel Inkart is more of a cool conglomeration of various types of characters thrown into the real world than any type of concrete frame story. The plot and conflicts from those original stories aren't actually relevant. The real world and new combined conflict is what matters to us as the reader. Secondly, I think this works because Funk seems to know much of the story of the original Inkheart that we will never know, that is never written down, to inform the way that she is weaving those details from that fictional story into her novel. This is a great world-building tip that I have given before. Know more than you need to. This applies to magic and magic systems, but it also applies to the canon, entertainment, media, and culture within the world you're creating. Come up with little nursery rhymes, or popular books, or movies if it's relevant to that world building. What stories do your characters know and enjoy? What form do those stories take? In this case, Maggie loves books, and books, as we all know, take on infinite qualities. Inkheart is a totally different world than Maggie's, but we find it believable not because we're entrenched in it in the form of a second layer of storytelling, but because the characters come to life in more ways than one. Funk knew more about her characters that are fictional, even from the perspective of her fictional world, than just the bare bones of their book. We learn more about them, their pasts, and their personalities from that original Inkheart than we do any type of plot. The plot is described as more of an episodic type of story, whereas the novel we are reading by Cornelia Funk is a linear fantasy adventure. So by making this world internal story episodic, the characters take on focus rather than the plot, and this means Funk can successfully transplant them into another story because they were originally the point anyway and not their original location or plotline. This... This is getting super confusing, so I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. But basically, what I think we can learn from this is that there are multiple ways to do something like a frame story or just to insert fictional entertainment and media into your fictional world. 
If you do like the concept of referencing or creating novels within your novel or poems and fairy tales and anything like that within the book you are writing, you don't have to give us as readers large chunks of that text to reference. You don't have to write the whole thing out even for yourself. You just need to know it, write out a summary for yourself, and don't feel like you then have to include it in the book. Focus on objects and details and characters rather than events. Know their background enough to write them convincingly right off the bat, even if they're meant to be, like, extra fictional. But don't overload us with the unimportant information to our story. Inkart by Funk does a great job of only providing details from this fictional novel as they become important, not going on and on about this secondary universe, but rather just taking pieces of it and planting them in Maggie's world. It does take a particular type of story and style to do something like this, because there's nothing wrong with a traditional frame story, or a story with no additional fictional material, but it's a good reminder that not all tropes and tactics are straight lines. You can mix up even something like a frame story and shift the focus so that your characters are affecting the frame rather than the other way around. Twisting tropes like this is how you can satisfy lovers of the trope and haters of the trope. It's also a good way to exercise your creative abilities, so don't shy away from it just because it feels a little odd or difficult to pull off. When done right, it can really work. Now, on a hopefully less confusing note, (laughs) let's talk about character descriptions. The association with this book that was always strange to me that I still have is that Maggie is described very blatantly as having blonde hair, like upfront immediately. And I, as a child, for literally no understandable reason, pictured her instead with short, curly, jet black hair. Why? I could not tell you to save my life. I do not look like this. I am blonde. So it's not like I was picturing her as myself. I just, for no reason, pictured her completely differently than her actual clear description. So here's a note for writers that none of us are going to like. When we create characters, we usually have a very vivid understanding of how they look. Hopefully, necessarily, actually, we also understand who they are deeper as people, their strengths and fears and past and desires, but we almost always accompany this with a clear picture of what they look like, too. That's the easiest part, likely the part that comes first for most writers when the characters enter their heads. And so it can become a sticking point to want to describe the physical appearance very clearly so that readers will see our characters just as we do. But this will never happen. (laughs) Even those who pictured Maggie with her blonde hair and exactly according to description still saw her differently than Funk, differently than each other, even if just in the small details. You can't control a reader's imagination. And you shouldn't try to. You are supposed to guide it. As a reader, when you're reading, I think you need to pay attention to descriptions. They might turn out to be important. But if your brain just can't picture the characters the way they're being described, it's really not the end of the world. It used to feel like the end of the world to me. I have a character in one of my books who has dark hair and blue eyes, and one of my friends who had read the book let slip that she pictured him with brown eyes instead, and I about had a heart attack when she told me, which was stupid. I reacted really weird. It was... it shouldn't matter. But I had such a vivid picture of him that it was jolting to realize that someone else saw him differently, even if it didn't affect her enjoyment or perception of the story. So I think we as writers can spend maybe too much time on physical descriptions when that's not really what readers are there for. 
basic eye and hair color, that's fine. If what your character looks like is important for some reason, that's also fine. But realize that readers might not latch onto that description as gospel the way you will or want them to. In Inkheart, for instance, it's far more important that we as readers understand Maggie looks like her mother than the specific description. And Funk does a great job of making this the focus. Because she looks like her mother, it's hard for Mo to be around her. The bad guys know who she is immediately even when she's trying to hide her identity. It's relevant to the story that she is recognizable as her mother's daughter. But it's not relevant specifically that they're blonde or blue-eyed. The specifics are for imagery but not for plot, and it's really okay if readers picture them differently so long as they understand that they look alike. I'm not saying you shouldn't give your characters physical descriptions. This can be really helpful to most readers, and it will provide imagery and clarity and potentially character-building details. I picture characters the way they're described about 90% of the time. And to be honest, as a writer, I do think it's just respectful for readers to trust their authors and attempt to build a picture that matches the description given in the book, even if it is always inherently going to be unique to their mind. But I have noticed that some books, particularly paranormal romances, will home in on particular physical traits and just expound on them limitlessly. In a romance, I guess physical appearance is more important than in other genres, but it still shouldn't be the main focus. I don't need to hear every other page about how your character has red hair or brown eyes or is super short. This feels like an amateur move most of the time, and it wastes word count. Give the details up front. As soon as possible, by the way, so I don't have to attempt to scramble a picture I've already created three chapters in. And then trust me as the reader to accept those details or not going on about it is just annoying. <laughs> you can mention it multiple times if you want, but not constantly. So I just think it's important for us as writers to become more attached to the characters as people than as their physical appearances. We will be let down by the second one, but not the first. I know how hard this is. For me, at least, physical appearance feels similarly important to the metaphysical because that's how I'm seeing them constantly as I'm writing them. But the thing is, if your character is brave, all readers are going to see her as such. If she's blonde, the fact is that some won't. So focus on the constant of the bravery when working on descriptions and character development. Tell me she's blonde, but build her bravery into the prose more often. That way, if readers picture your character differently in concrete features or in little details, you don't have to have your heart broken about it, and they can still enjoy the book without feeling jolted out of it every page by physical descriptions contradictory to the image in their head. Once the picture is formed, it's difficult to change, so give readers some freedom on this count. You, as a writer, aren't there to show your reader a movie. You're there to guide them on a written journey. The visual isn't the most important piece. So approach your prose this way and try not to get redundant in the surface details. Funk didn't, and I think that really impacted how easily I got into this story, even if I didn't have an accurate visual image. My last point is about how Inkheart is the quintessential book lover's dream, because there are characters being read in and out of other stories, and an aunt with a book obsession, an enormous exciting library, and a character who loves to read more than anything because her father instilled such a love of it in her from a young age. It can be great to include a love of reading directly into your book. Readers can obviously relate immediately. Maggie was such a lovable character right off the bat for me because we automatically had something in common. 
but I do want to talk a little about how infusing a love of reading too much into characters in a book can be difficult. Take the villains of that original internal Inkheart story. Most of them can't even read it all because their world was primitive and magic-based rather than science or literature-based. Some of the good characters from that world, like Dustfinger, can't read either, so it's not just the villains. Some of the characters who can read have some issues with it, like Mo, who's disenchanted with his ability. So it's not like every character or even every good character is a bookworm, but Maggie and her Aunt Eleanor are. Her dad is too, but primarily we're focusing on Maggie and Eleanor. Eleanor's house is filled to the brim with books, and she has the super relatable trait of being nervous of others touching the books or reading them lest they leave fingerprints or dog-eared pages or cracked spines. Maggie has a great respect for books and treats them well, sharing this love to bond with her aunt even though the aunt isn't fond of children. So this love of reading is integral to their characters and their relationship, but I don't think it takes over. And that's exactly what you don't want for a love of reading to take over a story someone is reading. The problem with creating a main character who loves to read isn't that it isn't relatable or realistic. It's that it can undermine the theme of your story if you're not careful. We read to escape, to learn, to go on an adventure. If the characters we're reading about aren't appreciating the adventure they're in and are therefore constantly sticking their noses into books... It sort of defeats the purpose of us following their story. I don't want to read about readers. I want to read about everything else. I do know a lot of readers, particularly readers who aren't also writers, I've noticed, love characters who read a lot because they can relate and because there's a mostly incorrect but pretty pervasive cultural idea going around that reading is rare and so it's nice to feel less alone. But the same way I don't want to watch a movie about someone constantly watching TV, I don't want to read about someone who's constantly reading. If the reading is tangential, a hobby or a skill or something like that, it can work. That's really what's happening with Maggie and her aunt in this book and Mo too. But if it becomes an unrelated, supposedly quirky habit of the main characters, it can take me out of the story. I don't need to know what books the main character is reading unless, like in Inkheart, it's important to my understanding of the actual story I'm here for. I don't need to see them reading constantly unless we're in transit or we're trying to find information. I don't need a deviation from the main plot for a quote-worthy moment about how powerful books are. I already know that. That's why I'm here. So give me the actual theme of this specific story. A main character that loves to read can too easily become a main character that's uninteresting. Not because readers aren't interesting, we totally are, but because I'm already reading. I'm already in the midst of a book. I don't need more layers of books unless it's pertinent to the plot. In Inkheart, it is relevant, but I will reiterate that it's not gone on about in a way that overshadows the theme, partly because the theme is book-related, but also in the sense that it doesn't just expound upon itself narcissistically. Basically, don't ruin your reader's escapism by showing that your main character feels a need to escape her own story. I've come here to her story to escape mine. Why am I here if she doesn't even want to be here? How am I supposed to love her story if she spends all her time trying to get out of it? I'm also not a huge fan of this thing that I see a lot where characters that love to read will go on an adventure and be like, oh my gosh, this is just like a book. I just feel like that's too weird of a fourth wall break. Um, 
it's not a hundred percent of the time thing. Maybe that's just a me thing, but I think that is really easy to become cheesy. So I would shy away from doing that too often. I'm not saying your character can't love to read. I'm saying one, allow some characters to not be bookworms. So there's a variety of interests and not just the villains, like a variety of people. A lot of the characters from Inkart's Inkart are actively burning books with no real appreciation for stories, only what they can get from them. And though this is villainous, some lovable characters just don't understand what's so great about books, and this provides some great conversations and opinions to explore. And two, build reading somehow into your theme if it's going to be a major trait of your main character. This is tough because it's so common and therefore hard to put a unique twist on nowadays, but the power of reading is obviously a theme in Inkheart, since the whole premise is about reading people in and out of stories. So a main character who loves to read contributes to this. If your story is about aliens or romance or something else, and you're just interjecting a reading main character for the sake of it, maybe that's not what you should do. Maybe it's not as important to give a character a huge library or a bunch of literary knowledge. Maybe it's not important to show them constantly reading, particularly if they're reading fiction. Allow your characters to embrace their world instead of trying to escape into others. That's what your readers are here for. In closing, I will again highly recommend this book. It is also a trilogy. Book two goes even deeper into the frame story concept, sending characters from the real world into the episodic stories of Inkart, which is pretty cool. And as the series goes on, it discusses themes about young love coming to an end that isn't harsh and how to grow up and go your own way. So I do love it as a whole, but this first book is the true masterpiece of the series. The introductions to these characters and the way they all play off each other because of their completely different origins and worldviews creates realistic, fun, high-stakes conflict. And Maggie, even though she's only 12 and often in need of help, is a competent character who is easy to relate to. She isn't overly emotional, doing stupid stuff all the time. She thinks her actions through, even as she cares constantly for those around her and the value of literature. That's really what this is all about, so if you are a book lover, this novel does a really great job of exploring that in a way that's not annoying, with a unique take that you can just really enjoy. So, if you are a book lover, this is probably definitely for you. <laughs> it is a really good novel in the genre, and I think you can learn some great tactics as writers about how to build that love of reading and books within books into your own work. So, check it out. That being said, that's all I've got for now. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I will see you on the next page. <laughs>